Welcome to Live Healthy Now with Nicola Mercer, a weekly show helping you get clear on the power of building sustainable, healthy habits to live the happy, strong life you are craving. It's time to stop waiting for happiness and burning yourself out trying to reach it. Each week we'll share insights into the world of health and well-being to help you learn which habits are the right ones for you without the overwhelm and confusion you feel right now. It's time to strip back and lay out the truth about why taking better care of yourself is the answer to the happy life you're striving so hard to create. Hi and welcome to Live Healthy Now. Today I have an amazing guest with me who's going to share her story about overcoming cancer and really wants to give you some great advice and tips on how you can thrive after cancer. So Gabby Mottishead is joining me. She's a coach, NLP practitioner and Reiki healer, which is fascinating. I love hearing about Reiki and the great things that it does. And she helps women who are done with cancer. And I'm definitely going to ask you about that word done when we go through our chat today. So Gabby's really passionate about helping women to thrive and make the best of their lives. So let's get going and dive into our conversation. Gabby, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Nicola. It's good to be here. Thank you for asking me. You're very welcome. So I want to kick off by finding out what your favourite habit is. Oh, goodness. Uh, so many little things. And I'm, I'm really not into telling people what they must do and mustn't do. But I think a basic one is um, just drink plenty of water. You know, it's, it's it's said all the time. And it's one of those things you think even I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I must drink enough water. But so much disease or disease that starts with being de- dehydrated. So it's the most simple thing that you can do and it's the best thing that you can do for yourself. And if you don't like water, you know, drink cordial. I've got a bottle with some lemon in that I always have lemon water with me. Even herbal teas, fruit teas, just drink plenty of water. It's the best thing that you can do. A simple thing as well doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant advice. And I love the easy tips there about how to get water in because I find yeah. it amazing when people say they don't like water because... I love water. I drink water all the time. When I used to work in corporate in the office, I was renowned for carrying my water bottle to every single meeting. I take it in the car when I go out and about all of the time. So yeah, using different flavours and even herbal teas is a great little tip there to get hydrated. And, you know, we'll dive more into this, but just to get us started, what does healthy living mean to you, Gabby? Healthy, and it means again. I'm not going to be prescriptive about it because it means different things to everything. You know, of different people. But I'd say it's it's having hope is the most important thing. And I think one of the big things about cancer is there's a lot of fear. You know, understandably, when you get that diagnosis, there's a lot of fear around it. And I think you, you touched on before that I help people that are done with cancer. And quite often when you're going through cancer treatment, you feel very supportive. You've got lots of appointments um, and you've got that medical team carrying you along. And at the end of it, you're sort of chucked off at the end and off you go. You're on your own. And people get really confused about, well, what should I be eating? What should I be doing? If you start Googling, you know, you can go down all sorts of rabbit holes about, well, what is a healthy diet? Should I eliminate dairy? What What is it? And it's different for everybody else. But I'd say for me, it's about having hope having strategies in place to get rid of the fear and and nobody wants to live in fear every day 
and basically just living your best life and realizing, you know, short news is we're all going to die at some stage. So none of us know how long we've got. So why not choose to be happy? And realizing as well that choosing to be happy is a choice. And I've was for years, I worked in corporate life as well. And I was very much, you know, on that hamster wheel, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But actually, when you take that step back, there's a lot of things you don't have to do. You choose to do them. And so to me, healthy living is about just making the right choices, not putting pressure on yourself, but just, you know, listening to your intuition or your heart or whatever you want to call it um, and working out what's the right thing for you. What is making you happy? You know, what are the things that make you feel good every day? We all know what well, I do anyway. Now, if I eat junk food, you know, if you eat a pizza, I feel terrible afterwards. So something's telling me that eating pizza is not the right thing for me to do. So it's eating the right things that make you feel vibrant and healthy. Um, and that's what healthy living means to me. It's having hope, having your spring in a step, you know, being able to get up in the morning and look forward to the day and not looking as I used to do on a Sunday night, looking forward to the week with sort of dread and thinking I've got to go to that terrible place again. And I don't want to do. We've all got choices. Yeah. Well, I'm literally taken aback there because everything you've said is just everything that I preach about. And I don't think you could have said it any better. I talk about a box of chocolates and maybe chocolates themselves. People are a bit surprised I, I use in my messaging, but it's because exactly like you said, it's about what works for you. It's not mm-hmm. prescribed. It's not a cookie cutter recipe approach. Being healthy is about finding what you need, what makes a difference to you. And that changes, doesn't it, through the seasons of your life? And I'm sure, you know, this is what you found is being in that situation of, first of all, dealing with a cancer diagnosis, then the treatment, and then the recovery, which is Mm -hmm. actually, I guess, what everyone being diagnosed starts out desperate to get to the point of, but then that point comes and it's, very different to what you expected because you have changed you're in a very different season of your life so what you need at that point to be healthy and well is very different to what you might have needed pre-cancer so to tap into that a bit more and really unwrap the mission that you've got because I absolutely love that mission and you know like how you've really gone to a place that you feel there's very little support out there on at the moment like tell me what's that biggest challenge that women who have been diagnosed with cancer face when they have completed their treatment and actually that light is starting to shine again right at the end of the tunnel you know and it's within reach absolutely yeah and you talk about that you know you're going through treatment and you do want that day when they say to you well your treatment's over of course we all want that you know your, your cancer's gone off you go now back to how you were but you're not how you were before. And that's what I found that the biggest challenge, everybody around me expected me just to jump back into my old life and be how I was before. But I was different. You know, my husband didn't understand, you know, I was like a shell of a person. I was exhausted. I've been through chemotherapy and and so many surgeries, but not just the physical thing, but mentally I was thinking I'd done a lot of reflecting and thinking about my old life and the way that I used to just run about like an idiot, you know, as a lot of women do, a lot of people do, you know, you're thinking, I've got to look after the family, I've got a big job, I've got all these things that I must do. And I didn't want to go back to that. And I thought, well, just maybe, you know, started listening to my intuition. Maybe that's what's made me ill. Maybe I've been stressed for years and I didn't really realise how stressed I was until I stopped. 
And so for me, at the end of my, and you know, everyone's different. Some people finish the treatment, Bob, don't want to talk about cancer or think right. about it ever again. Great. Back to their old life and let's not even go there. But for some women, they feel, why do I feel like this? I, sh- I feel guilty. You know, I know people that have had cancer that have died. I shouldn't feel like this. I feel really, really guilty. And all these medical uh, professionals who give me all their time and I've been, you know, surgery or treatment and, and I should be glad to be alive, surely. I should be, you know, you see these women running around the park in pink tutus and I should be one of these people who's, who thinks, you know, I'm a survivor and I've fought and I've won and why do I not feel triumphant? Well, I didn't feel triumphant. I felt... For a while, I felt bitter and I was grieving really for the old person that I used to be. You know, the person who I used to think cancer was something that happened to other people. And then, shock news, I got a diagnosis. So I was quite bitter. I was quite angry. Why me? I didn't deserve this. I'm not a bad person. You know, there's, there's some bad buggers walking about that, you know, don't don't get any illnesses. And there's part of it that's like that. But it's it's for me, it was part of that journey. But the big thing at the end of it was the loneliness, the feeling like nobody understands what I'm going through. My doctors and my friends are oh, great. You, you, you're back now. You're better. And they, they don't want to talk about cancer anymore because it's scary. It's a scary yeah. thing to talk about. And I actually had a friend who said to me, oh, you don't want to dwell about on it too much as if it was something that I was choosing to, to be, you know, maudlin about. That was something that I was feeling sorry for. I did feel a bit sorry for myself, but actually there was something, just something missing. And I just thought, I shouldn't feel like this. Why do I feel like this? Why do I feel so alone? Why am I so depressed? And, mm. you know, when, it's under, when you start talking to some women and found actually a lot of people feel like this, but it's not really taught to me. It's not nice to talk about it because you should feel grateful. You should be happy that you've finished it. You should be getting back on, on with your life. And if you've had time off work, you should be jumping back into work. And if you have not been doing so much for your family you should be you know stepping up again now because you, you're better but actually yeah. it's, it's taking that step back and thinking well what is the right thing for me to be doing do I need to change my lifestyle do I need to change my career do I need to more support do I need more self-care do, what are the things that were missing in my old life that I can bring into this new life that hopefully will be better than it was before yeah so were you 44, Gabby, when you were diagnosed with breast was, cancer? Yeah. 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 So yeah. tell me a bit about that and how it felt and what did your life look like before that? What was your self-care and well-being mm. routine like? Did you yeah. even have one? Not really, no. no. So I work, I work full time and, you know, I'm a wife and a mother and as we do, you know, to, to probably the biggest share of the house care and, you know, have the um, housework and organising things in the house, organising holidays birthday presents you know the things that you just do and but I also had a really really busy job and I used to work very long hours you know and looking back and I think well what was that all for you know um, I used to travel a lot with my job and so you know my diet wasn't the best I used to eat a lot of convenience foods drank far too much alcohol you know end of the day I come home I'm shattered oh I'll have a glass of wine as a way to unwind and now, you know, I know there's alternatives. So there's other things you can do that help you unwind as well. You know, really to meditation, lovely reading, just reading. I never had time to read. So my self-care was really severely lacking. And so when I got the diagnosis, although it was a huge shock, it was almost, a, you know, a, a wake up call to think, well, how am I living my life? And I heard I started after my treatment, I started studying nutrition. I did went to a nutritional healing course. And one of the things they told me that's really stuck with me is if you had a goldfish in a, in, a, in a goldfish bowl 
and it's swimming around in dirty water and it gets sick and it gets a tumour, you can take that goldfish out of the bowl, you can give it medication, you can cut the tumour out, but you don't just plonk it back in a dirty bowl. You'd clean the water out. And it's almost like that. After my treatment, I didn't want to go back to my old habits of eating rubbish food and being too stressed and running about like an idiot and not caring for myself. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to change that environment that I was living in um, so that I don't recreate. I'm not, and one of my friends really struggled with it. She said, oh, you're blaming yourself for your cancer. And I was like, I'm not blaming myself. I'm taking responsibility for my health. It's nobody else's responsibility. Yeah, it's great that I've had chemotherapy and you, you can go to your doctor and get drugs, but they're not the answer. You know, I really believe you can take responsibility for your wellness and hopefully do a lot about prevention. Yeah, I, I literally got goosebumps when you gave that example there of the goldfish bowl because that is such a simple way to think about it, isn't it? it, it and yeah, I think, you know, I've seen people close to me, not necessarily cancer, but go through quite significant health challenges or other big life events that then on the back of it don't change anything. And they haven't mm-hmm. like progressed and and learned and, you know, come out the other side make in their life one that hopefully won't have that same event yeah, you know occur yeah. again but I've mm-hmm. seen people do the opposite and I think you know this links nicely to that whole discussion around proactiveness versus reactiveness and obviously for us being in the health and wellness sector as coaches we're championing the proactive approach because we know how important it is to take care of yourself to try to reduce, you can't guarantee you're going to eliminate, you know, illness or disease, but you can massively affect your likelihood of having a severe illness, disease or dying at a, an early age. So, you know, is, is that something that's been a big shift in you when you look back? Because it sounds like you weren't being proactive in any way about taking care of yourself. It was just existing in that that spin cycle yeah it was exactly right and you think mm. you sort of get into that routine of thinking well this is normal you know everybody that I worked with they all work long hours you know we're there yeah. early in the morning till late at night and it was just the norm it's just what you did and it almost becomes we you know you've got to keep up with everybody else you know I was a manager and it was like you know, less with more so you're always trying to do more work with less resources and you do get into that that thing of thinking this is normal life and actually we shouldn't really be living like that and you know, we think about the way that we live now, you know, a lot of the time, and I'm still am in front of a computer screen all day. And it's only when you take some time out, you know, I've just come back from holiday and you think I didn't look at a screen for two weeks and I've, I've walked on the on the beach or on the on the grass and you think, I feel so good. You know, it feels so good just to sort of connect with yourself, connect with your family. Because again, with my family, even though I was working in my mind, you know, for them, so we could have nice holidays and have nice things wasn't spending any time with them and you know they are the most important thing in my life and again I reflected back on that and think now it's the simple things of just spending time with my family is is huge that's what gives me so much pleasure yeah we do take so much time for granted you know so so much of this for granted and we do think we've Mm -hmm. got so much time and as I say we've we've all got limited time and it's how we choose to spend it yeah so you mentioned something earlier as well about um with I'm trying to think how you'd said it with the 
or the guilt that hung over a bit at the end or, or the suggestion of others that you yeah. were blaming yourself yeah. for having cancer yeah. because of the way you lived your life. And how how was that dealing with all of those different things? And do you feel as though like now you've accepted it and, and obviously what you're doing means you are focusing and talking about your cancer and your journey all of the time. Do you think that that's part of moving forward and overcoming it by actually keeping it part of your story and, and who you are. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think, you know, you can you can choose to make you what did I say, make you pass, make you better or make you bitter. So as I said, I was quite angry at one point thinking, why me? Why has this thing happened to me? And I could have gone down one road of thinking, I never really want to talk about this again and I'm just I'm gonna pretend it never happened. But for me, there was such a huge shift and everything about me was different. And I looked at things in a different way. And as I spent a lot of time, you know, researching the type of cancer that I had, the, um, inflammatory breast cancer, and it's quite rare and aggressive. And there's a high level of recurrence. And so for me, I was really focused on what can I do to stop this coming back? You know, I need to throw everything out there. It's not just the chemo, the surgery, the radiotherapy that I'd had. I wanted to know everything that I could do myself to, to stop it coming back. And I remember asking my oncologist, you know, well, what should I be eating when I was going through uh, chemotherapy? And he said, oh, it doesn't matter what you eat. I thought, that just doesn't feel right to me. That really doesn't feel right to me. So I went and found a, a paid privately to go to a nutritionist because I, I thought she must be able to help me. And then when I went started down this journey, and I'm, I'm not recommending this to anyone, anybody but I, I met quite a few people and I've become really good friends with a lady who had a tumor and she treated it herself she changed her, her lifestyle she you know she went uh, stopped eating rubbish foods stopped drinking alcohol she stopped dyeing her hair she stopped wearing deodorant um she stopped wearing makeup she did all of these she got a water filter in her house and started drinking lots of water she got a little trampoline you know the rebounders that get your lymph moving, which gets more oxygen into your system because that's really, you know, supposed to be really good for cancer. And again, I'm not re um, saying this is the way to go, but I thought God, her, her tumour just went like this. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. So I'm not saying people shouldn't have conventional treatment. I'm saying yeah. there's somewhere in the middle. I like to, you know, maybe pick and choose the both of them and think, why not supplement what I'm doing? There's a lot of research, you know, I talked about the chemicals, you know, the hair dyes. You think about most women in the day, you have your shower, you put your makeup on, you put your deodorant on, maybe some body lotion. You've probably by the, you know, an hour out of get, after getting out of bed, you've probably exposed yourself to a hundred different types of chemicals. Is that how we should be living? And, and I'm quite picky now about the, the right. personal care products that I use, for instance. And to me, it's, that's the same as your, your, your clean mm. eating is thinking about what chemicals we're coming into contact with. And again, there's no direct link. There is a lot of research that says, you know, some chemicals are linked to cancers, but we're not living in a natural world. You know, we're getting more and more chemicals. We're exposed to more and more, you know, um, toxins in the air. And we're, we're coming now to a point where almost one in two people will get cancer. And it's sort of accepted that that's, that's the norm. And that doesn't yeah. feel right to me. Yeah, it really doesn't. And it's, you know, I haven't got the answers. Like you say, there's no guarantees when they're new for this. But I think really interesting, there's some places in the world where women don't get breast cancer. There's some places in the world where they have much lower rates of cancer than we have. 
and they're not exposed to all these toxins that we are now is the relationship yeah yeah i'm really fascinated in that as well and i can't remember the percentage but there's a very high percentage of cancer that is now being attributed to lifestyle along with Mm. things like alzheimer's and dementia that they know are absolutely being caused by our lifestyles, our habits. And I listened to a really good podcast recently. I can't remember the name of the the person who was talking about it. He's an amazing scientist and researcher in the blue zones in the world. And they're the areas in the world where people have the longest lifespan. And I think Mm -hmm. there's five of them. Don't quote me on this, but there's a very small number. Um, I know one of them's in Greece. And so they're not all in you know, really remote areas of the world where people are still living a very old-fashioned tribal kind of lifestyle. And the research that they've done, which shows how so many of those people live well into their 90s, and it's not just about the lifespan, it's the health span. Mm -hmm. So living with full mobility, full mental, you know, ability and and strong faculty into that old age. And, And like you say, very, very low rates of things like cancer because of the lifestyle choices that they make and how they live. So, yeah, there's definitely so much evidence and research mm-hmm. being shared now about the choices we make and the things that are now part of our environment and world that are contributing to things like cancer. And as you were talking, I was thinking, do you feel as though the things you're doing now and the choices you're making are putting you in control and, and that in itself is something that's empowering you and making you feel better? Big yeah. time, yeah. I think, yeah, positive mental attitude, people talk about that a lot. And I don't just mean, you know, if you're positive, you can beat cancer. I don't think it's about that. I think it's about how you approach every day. And if you believe that what you're eating makes you healthier, then I think half the battle is what's in your mind, whether the food's bad for you or good for you. If you believe that it's good for you, I'm sure mentally, you know, your, your mind is a strange thing, isn't it? You really play tricks on ourselves sometimes. But why not choose to? to be in that positive thing that thinking I'm actually doing something really good I'm yeah. really doing something good for myself like I say by drinking the water by eating good food and I'm you know I'm not you know 100% on this I'm not you know, I don't leave you know totally I don't stick to it all the time you know I like a drink I like to have moderation when I was again when I did nutritional healing they very much into the 80 20 rule if you if you're good or you eat the right things 80% of the time 20% of the time, if you want to go to a party, if you want to go out to a restaurant where there isn't any healthy choices, as long as you enjoy it, I think the most important thing is not to eat something and to feel really guilty about it and think, oh, I shouldn't be eating this. Because again, I think that's 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 negativity that you're bringing into your body. You know, food should be nourishing and uplifting and, and yeah. give you energy and give you life force. So enjoy it. If you want to eat a cream cake, as long as you enjoy it, I think that's half the thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned the pizza earlier and how when you eat a pizza, it actually doesn't make you feel good. And I know I've certainly mm-hmm. eaten foods like that where I really fancy it and I think, oh, I'm going to have that. And then I eat it and go, hmm. I don't actually feel as though I've benefited from it. Whereas there are some things that, yeah, that glass of rosé wine, I absolutely love. I would never change that, you know, but maybe if someone, I don't know, gave me a bottle of one of those alcohol pop type drinks, I'd drink it and then go, "Mm, actually, no, that's not really for me. And so I wouldn't want to continue drinking things like that. So let's go to what you do, Gabby. And Mm -hmm. 
that word done that you use. So just tell me yeah. a little bit about this mission and what does done really mean and how are yeah. you using that to really help women who have been in or still are in a similar place to where you've been? Yeah. And I think for me as well, because I, I struggled maybe at the end of my treatment and I was going round and round in circles thinking, why me? Why, you know, all these negative thoughts, maybe I could go back to my old job. Should I do this? Should I do that? And it was like, mentally, I was just so drained and I think it, it's for me, it was like deciding, actually, I'm done with this now. I'm done with grieving for my old life. I'm done with feeling sorry for myself. and I want to move forward. Not quite sure how to move forward. And that's why I did all the studying. You know, I studied the nutrition. I've studied Reiki. I've studied lots of things. I've been to lots of practitioners, meditation coaches, you know, gong baths of anything that was like about well-being. I, yeah, I want to try that and see if that works for me. Breath work was a big thing. Um, a couple of years ago, nobody had heard of it, but I think Wim Hof now has made that quite a, a popular thing. And I remember going to this lady uh, who lived near me and doing a breathwork session. And my God, and I burst into tears at the end of it and then it felt amazing. And I think, oh, she just made me breathe. What's going on there? <laughs> you know, we, we think we breathe every day anyway. So the whole thing of being done with cancer is like, well, if you're ready, you know, you want to move away from that um, being a patient being a victim, feeling sorry for yourself and actually you just want to move forward in your life. You know, I'm a coach, I'm a life coach, I'm an NLP practitioner. Um, you know, I've got lots of tips and tools that can help you transform wherever you are now to where you want to go. But it's it's the done with is deciding that you want to move forward and deciding mm. you're not going to be a victim anymore. You're not going to be a cancer patient anymore. Um, I struggle a bit, a little bit with some of the language around cancer as well. You know, people say, oh, she fought the battle and she won. Well, that's okay, but are you, are you saying the people that didn't, you know, survive? You're saying they didn't fight hard enough. I really struggle with that a little bit, but I do think there's a lot about positive mental attitude, the fact that we can choose our thoughts, the fact that we can train that little monkey mind that says to you, well, who do you think you are, or why do you, why are you doing that? You know, you'll never be good enough to do that. There's a lot of tips again that we can use to train that little monkey mind, to be our friend instead of being our enemy and, and pulling us down. So there's a lot about building hope for the future, you know, start self saying that. That's really what, for me, going forward, it, you know, I'm not the same person that I was, but I'm very hopeful for the future. And it feels good for me, for me personally. I feel I want to use my experience to help other people, people who feel like I did when I finished treatment and I felt alone and think, I don't know where I'm going now. I, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Uh, I thought I was on a career path that I worked so hard and I studied so hard. I studied part-time for years. I had a master's degree. And then I thought, I don't care about that job anymore. But what do I do? <laughs> where do I go now? And what do I do with that? So I want to help other people who feel like that as well. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think yeah, it just puts perspective on your life. And, and you said near the start that, you know, we all are going to die. That's the reality of our life. And I talk a lot about when you get to the end of your life and looking back and not having regrets. And yeah. I say, you know, this might sound morbid and it might sound deep, but this is our reality. And that mm -hmm. was a big light bulb moment for me when I went through some very difficult challenges with my mom and her health. And you know, thinking about my own health and life and how I might end up and you know, really seeing that play out in front of me and thinking, no, this isn't what I want for my life. And mm -hmm. I know that I have the ability to make my life journey very different to the one that my mum was going through. Because, 
you do have to accept that your life is very fragile. I think we all saw and felt that through the COVID pandemic, didn't we? It brought Mm -hmm. a lot of perspective to many of us. And so we've got to make the most of that. And I really believe, like you're saying, that we can help make the most of it when we feel in control of our Mm -hmm. lives and we are taking care of ourselves and knowing that we're investing. It's like, you know, so many of us invest in a pension because we want to have the finances there to support us when the time comes not to work and we can have more freedom and flexibility as to how we live our life but we need to be healthy at that point too. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so we invest in many other things, but we tend, like you said, with your story of overworking and just burning yourself out, trying to be and do everything like many women do. You know, we've mm. got to try to find more balance so that we don't end up where we are regretting choices that we've made. And, and unfortunately, yeah. those choices have led to a massive decline in our health not necessarily an older age like what happened with yourself at 44 Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah just um touching on how people can get started you know you said there's so many things that people can do if someone has gone through this it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be cancer it could be something else that you've experienced and you just feel so stuck and that you don't know how to move forward but you know that you have to get back in control of how you feel what advice would you give like what's the first little small step that someone can take to get off that starting block? Yeah, I think, well, the first thing is deciding that you want to do something different, but taking that time out as well. I'm not, and I'm not, I hate when people say, oh, cancer's a gift, you know, what's, that's not, it's not a gift, but what it can, what you can take from it is actually, it gives you a bit of an excuse to say, I'm going to let go some of these commitments that I've got that I, I don't want to do. I, I used to spend time with people that I didn't really get a lot out of but I felt very uh you know again commitment that I had to uh, spend time with certain people and cancer gave me a bit of an excuse to be a bit selfish to be honest to say I'm ill I've got to focus on me and my recovery and so I think it's making that decision just to make some time for yourself it's not selfish you know self-care and self-love is not selfish and you know as me as a little girl I remember you know my mum or my grandma saying about somebody the worst you know, insult I could give somebody, oh, she's really selfish. You know, she just cares about herself. And I'm, and now I think, well, what's wrong with that? You do need to care for yourself. You don't want to be arrogant. You don't want to be overbearing. I don't want to be overbearing, but actually I do want to care for myself. And there's Actually, there's nothing wrong with that. So it's made, you know, accepting that self-care and self-love is where you start. You, you know, what do they say? You can't pour from an empty cup. So you can't care for other people if you're not caring for yourself. So you might think, oh, well, I want to put my family first and I've got children, I've got this and I've got that. But start with yourself and start caring for yourself. And the better person that you can be, the more love, the more support, the more whatever you need to give out in the world. It starts with you. It starts with you pouring, you know, having that cup that's filled up with love and with energy and the care that you need. And it's not selfish. It's self-preservation. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, you're just so passionate about it. And I really (laughs) hope that if you're listening, you can feel the energy coming from Gabby and that you can just hear, you know, how important it is to take care of yourself. Because again, I talk about this, I've written blogs on it. If anyone wants to have a look at them on the website, talking about why self-care isn't selfish. I use the analogy of the oxygen mask. You put your own oxygen mask on first before you help others. And it's like what you're saying, you, you, you know, 
you can't pour from an empty cup to give everyone else what you're trying to give them you have to be the best version of you and the big thing that I focus on is modeling that behavior to those around you especially kids because kids do what they see they don't do what they're told they do what they see what they grow up having in their environment don't they so it's so important for you and how you feel but also to to teach other people that you should value yourself you know there's nothing wrong with loving yourself so what give us then one thing that someone could do literally tomorrow or the day after so in the next 48 hours a really small thing to make that progress towards realizing that they can take care of themselves that it's something that can become part of who they are absolutely so from you know for me if you're living a busy life like I used to do think about how you're spending your time think about the things the commitments that you've got are there things that you enjoy are there things that uplift and inspire and make you feel happy or actually are there things that drain you and, and drain your energy now some things you might think well I can't change my job that maybe that's one but look at everything else that you're doing in your life what are you doing what are you spending your time on what are you giving your energy to and just maybe step back and even do a diary for a week and think about how much time um I I went to um going off track a little bit there's a place in Bristol called the Penny Bronze Centre which is a very um holistic cancer care place and one of the things that they gave us was an hour each with a GP and you never get an hour with a GP. And he's like, well, tell me every little ache and pain that you've got. But one of the first things she said to me is, what do you do every day that makes you feel happy? And I was like, oh. And it was really food for thought. And I thought, oh, I don't always do something every day that makes me feel happy. She said, well, why not? <laughs> and it was such a, for me, that was a really profound question. It's like, yeah, I should be doing yeah. And I, I reeled off a lot of things that made me feel happy and said, are you doing something every day? And I was like, oh, no, I'm a bit busy. And she went, busy doing what? Yeah. And again, it's a really good mm. question. What are you so busy to do that you can't make yourself happy? And it could be a little thing like going for a walk or whatever it is, singing a song, having a little dance in the morning. You know, it can be something so simple that makes you feel happy. Doing some yoga, whatever it is your thing that makes you feel happy. Yeah. Do something every day that makes you happy. Why not? Yeah, why why choose to be miserable? Yeah, that's not good, mm. That's it, that's it there. That's the simple step for yeah. you listening is literally pause in the next day and just think, what do you actually do that day to make yourself happy? And then bring that in every day because I think what you've just said there is absolutely powerful. So many of us are literally surviving. And if we do stop and think about it, we're not really doing anything to make us happy so yeah absolutely love that piece of advice so I want to ask you a really quick little this or that to wrap up to see which habits you would prefer so it's just one or the other to get to know you a little bit more (laughs) before we finish off the chat Gabby so do you prefer meditating or journaling oh meditating yeah I struggle and, with journaling and, and yeah. I, I like to listen to a tape to meditate. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Great. Are you a reader or a listener? Ooh, both. Sorry, both. I like both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're a bit of a podcast fan. I am, yeah. But I've just yeah. read um, Stanley Tucci's book. Well, I'm reading it now, you know, Stanley, the, the author. And he, a lot is about food. And I heard a snippet on the radio of it today of him reading out a recipe in his lovely voice. And I thought I'd quite like to get that on Audible and 
and listening to him read out that. <laughs> yeah. Not I'm going to cook any of his food, but just the way he talks about it, it sounds delicious. Yeah. Um, are you a morning or a bedtime routine? Oh, a bedtime. Yeah. 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 And then Definitely. water or yeah. juice? I think oh, I know water. the answer. Yeah, water, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And are you fruit or veg? Veg, like my veg, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, fab. So just before you tell us where everyone can find you and learn more about what you do, I just want to ask for one final piece of advice that you can give out to help people start to live healthy now. Oh, one piece, of, I, I would say, um, I've touched on the water, nutrition, get enough sleep you know um my, my son I tell him off all the time he's somebody who's quite proud of the fact that he can get by on very little sleep mm. and I think sooner or later that catches up with you it really definitely does. You need sleep to, to rest and repair you know your body is repairing itself when you're in bed every night so please get your sleep yeah get your yeah as much is that why you've got you your good need. bedtime yeah. routine absolutely yeah absolutely yeah so gabby where can anybody listening find out more about you and connect with you if they want to know more about the work you do sure so i'm on on facebook i've got um, my facebook group is confidence after cancer if anybody's interested in that i'm on instagram gabby motti um yeah and website is survivors to thrivers dot world but yeah just google me and i'm sure you'll find yeah. me because my name's I'll, quite unusual i'm quite lucky i'll yeah. pop them all into the show notes as well and you have written a book haven't you gabby which talks about confidence uh-huh. after cancer yeah it's, well it's a little book and it's just seven steps to confidence and it's just little exercises you can do them one you know one day at a time that to take five minutes it's little things and again it's training your mind just to focus on the good focus on the good in your life and just little exercises that you can use to build up your confidence but um, something that really helped me, I, you know, as a child, I was very shy, very timid, uh, or you know, didn't like to put myself forward. And, and it's it, confidence is a skill that can be learnt. And I learned that quite late in life, but um, I've learned it now, and I, I love to share that with other people. Yeah, and that book's free, isn't it? So I'll pop the link into the notes as well. It is. Yeah. So yeah, please go ahead, yeah. download that get those seven steps because I'm with Gabby here as well confidence is definitely something that can be learned and it's also something that constantly evolves and grows which is brilliant Mm -hmm. because it means you can always build on it so the more knowledge you've got about that the better so thanks again Gabby for joining me it's been absolutely fascinating to chat with you and I've loved all of your tips there Oh, thank you so much, Nicola. Thanks for inviting me. It's great to connect with you. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please remember to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. It would be really appreciated if you could leave a rating and review so other people can find us and build their own healthy, happy life. You can follow Life Now Coaching on all social media platforms and visit our website at lifenow.uk. Links are in the show description. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and can't wait to see you again next week for more tips on living healthy and happy right now. Take care.